Hello, this is UU Utah Phillips, the golden voice of the great Southwest, and you're listening again to Loafer's Glory, the Hobo Jungle of the Mind. One part of the brain attacks another. Seven parts attack nine parts. Then the war begins to subside from lack of ammunition. But out there, I know the mules are bringing fresh supplies from over the mountain. This is Utah Phillips, a little discombobulated because I have a bit of a cold here, but I am brave to the point of madness, and so I'm going to do this anyway. I know there's a cough button here, but I'm not going to use it. It's a little too high-tech for me. I'll simply turn my face away from the microphone. Yep, I'm here with Steve Baker, who does the... um, uh, twiddles the knobs and so on, and, and of course that was the Borsdorfs doing that wonderful theme music, Loafer's Glory. A poem I told you was from Jim Harrison, <clears throat> a grim little bit to start the day, and um, I'd appreciate it if you understood it to um, give me your thoughts about it. I'm not certain that I do. I am I'm going to sing to you. I brought my guitar with me again. I've done that several times. Now, you know, I am not a singer or a guitarist. You'll notice no sudden or dramatic change in my vocal attack or my instrumental style, as it were. But uh, I'm taking the advice of friends who say they would like me to uh, do on the radio some of what uh, I was accustomed to doing on the stage. You know, all right. The old song from Sarah Carter. Does anybody remember the singing Carter family? Mother Maybell. Sarah, one of the sisters, wrote this song. It's one of my favorite songs. But the Rockies and the sky It's there you find me as years go by Railroading on the great divide divide, is it? That's called the hump in tramp parlance. Crossing the hump. Oh, my first time over the hump, over the Great Divide, was up there by Glacier National Park on the Billy Goat, the Great Northern Railroad. That is a singular experience in any young tramp's life, your first trip across the Great Divide. It's kind of like a sailor's first trip over the equator. Cause for great celebration, massive libation. The ritual, tramp-wise, is that when you know you've reached the top of the divide, that you get up and lurch to the boxcar door, 
Grab the jam firmly in one hand so you're not pitched out into the unrelieved wilderness. Then, there's no delicate way to put this, you take out your lily and siphon it on the wind. But then you can spend the rest of your mortal existence visualizing your own natural bodily fluids as they mingle with the new spring runoff, the tiny rivulets, one half down through the Yellowstone, through the Platte to the Mississippi, and down to the Gulf of Mexico, the other half into the Snake River, the drainage of the Columbia River, down to the Pacific and the far Spice Islands beyond. It's a cosmic experience. Let us sing, railroading on the Great Divide, nothing around me but the Rockies and sky. It's there you'll find me as years go by, railroading on the Great Divide. Hey, you try it out. Hey, railroading on the Great Divide, nothing around me but the Rockies and sky. It's there you find me as years go by, railroading on the Great Divide. gradually closing in on the 30th anniversary of my leaving Utah to take up this trade, which in fact landed me here in Nevada City and about four dozen other places. I remember winding up in New York when I left when I left Utah, I headed for New York City to hook up with Rosalie Sorrells. The first time I ever got paid cash money, which in Utah seemed illegal or absurd to be paid for what you would do sitting in your living room on your back porch anyway, <clears throat> I was you know, I was paid to sing at a little place under the street in Greenwich Village down on McDougal. It was called uh, The Gaslight. Now, at that time, um, I was only singing old Mormon pioneer songs because I was scared, you see, and I was supposed to be a folk singer. But then... <clears throat> When I was done playing, I would walk upstairs into the late night, and I would go into the bar next door. It was called, let me see, called the Kettle of Fish. And there I would uh, go in and ask baby the bartender to give me a double shot of Henry McKenna sour mash whiskey so I could keep myself level with the average annual ambient reality. Well, I was going in there one night after a show, and it was between shows. I saw a young fella coming down the street wearing a, very nice suit and a string tie and flat top crew cut. I knew him instantly to be a Mormon missionary, either that or a Navy flyer on leave. They looked pretty much alike. He approached himself, thrust out his paw, and introduced himself as Elder Olson from the Church of Jesus Christ, Atlantic States Mission of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Mormon. Oh, I said, you mean the Olson from San Pete County down there around Manti and, and uh, Moroni? He said, he loud as he was, a lot of Swedish people down there. He said, you know, I, I saw your show in there because I'm attracted by the name Utah, and I'm glad to hear you sing those old pioneer songs from the old Mormon days. Give people a, a chance to find out who we are, what we're about. But then those same people see you walk out of there into a liquor bar and drink whiskey. Now, you know that's forbidden. You know, you keep doing that, you, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna revoke your visa and you'll never set foot in Utah again. I said, give me that in writing, kid. Well, I know. I said to that young fellow, 
You've never tasted whiskey, have you? And he allowed he hadn't. Uh, I have a secret weapon on Mormon folks. They're dead honest people. Dead honest. Wrong, but honest. And he said, yeah, no, I never did, did drink any whiskey. So I said, now, I'm going to go in here and get you a glass of whiskey. You're going to stand right here and, and, and drink it. You will know it for the vile, tepid brew that it is. I turned to go in there. He grabbed my sleeve. He said, if the president of the Atlanta State's Mission of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Mormon was to be walking down the street and see me standing here drinking a glass of whiskey, they would ship me back to Utah, break my flannel board over their knee, rip off all of my buttons. I would be in serious trouble. I said, I'll fix that. I went to Babe, the bartender, said, Babe, give me a double shot of Henry McKenna sour mash whiskey and put it in a teacup. He said, that Mormon missionary out there again... In 1914, I started to roam Out through Wyoming, no money, no home And I was a-drifting along with the tide I landed out over the Great Divide Railroading on the Great Divide Nothing around me but the Rockies and the sky It's there you find me as years go by Railroading on the Great Divide Now I know you're out there, some of you And you're supposed to be singing this song with me Because it is a folk song And you're ostensibly the folkness, Pa So I know I can't hear you But you can sure hear each other Now let's see what's going on around my place Out there on Bergen Lane Looked across the road and saw that the chicken herd Had multiplied considerably Must be about 20 of them over there now since my dog, Bo, has stopped bringing them home. Never bothered me in bringing them home. He just brought them home in installments, and they were, for all practical purposes, unusable. Now, I hate chickens. I hate chickens. Chickens are stone stupid. Chickens are too stupid to live. Every chicken I eat is one less chicken I must suffer to share the earth with. I eat eggs because it's a kind of chicken abortion. God, I hate chickens. Well... You know, when you're born a, a white man in mid-20th century industrial America, you inherit a lot of racism, a lot of sexism, things you don't want. I invested all in the humble chicken. Then I could love everybody. I am my own coyote. Think about that. You've got to learn to control your bigotry in this kind of a, a culture. And I've fought, I've fought manfully all my life to control my bigotry. I finally got it confined to chickens, most Christians, and the French. I feel like there's still a lot of room to move in there. I guess the problem was during the Second World War, we had chickens for pets. There were no ration stands for, for dog food or cat food. So we had these two dumb chickens that could peck up the seed in the victory garden. One of them got real sick, so we had to kill the other one to make chicken soup to get the first one better. One we killed, didn't like it much, came back and haunted us. You ever been haunted by a chicken? Kind of a poultry geist. Stick it out the window and see how it feels. Number nines are coming the fastest on wheels. At 90 an hour, she whistles with pride. Thunders out over the great divide. I along the great divide. Nothing around me but the Rockies and sky. It's there you find me as years go by. Railroading on the great divide. 
I read in our paper, the union here, which prints all kinds of odd things, that uh, this genetic manipulation, they're breeding chickens now to lay square eggs on account of, they say, all the wasted room in an egg carton. I think that's worth a heavy ponder. Ask any old-timer around old Cheyenne Ray Road in Wyoming is the best in the land. A long steel rail and a short cross tie laid out over the Great Divide. I railroad along the Great Divide. Nothing around me but the Rockies and sky. It's there you find me as years go by. I'm railroading on the Great Divide. Well, that gets the pipes cleaned out a little bit, I'm glad to say. I'm about to tell you the funniest story I have ever heard in my life. I think I first heard it from old art theme in Chicago many years ago, shuffled it around till it came out the way that I wanted it, but I've cherished it for years and years because this is in fact the most outrageously funny story I ever heard. Now, I have told this story alive in front of people for at least a hundred times, and each and every time I have been met by a stony silence. I am going to endeavor to tell this story one more time, anticipating you the listener, anticipating from you a little higher level of animation than I have enjoyed on prior occasions. All right. Colonel Charlie Goodnight and Olive Levin, pioneer settlers of the old Southwest and folk heroes, both of them, founders of the great Goodnight Loving Trail, the westernmost of the great cattle trails from El Paso to Denver to Spur into Montana. In years past, I have left my home and gone about the country and talked about Oh, the great turtle drive of 86. Talked about Oliver and the Fork, and if he missed that, well, it was a rare beauty. It's a story about the time that Colonel Goodnight and, and Oliver Loving were, were quartered down in Taos, New Mexico, uh, palisaded in those days. Um, Charlie Goodnight, Colonel Goodnight loped up to Oliver's little cabin. He kept the remuda, you see, the corralled the horses outside of town. He loped up to the cabin dismounted, knocked politely on Oliver's door. He said, Oliver, now, as you know, I'm a prominent folk hero hereabouts, and I have some serious folk hero business to get at. But my fool horse stepped in a chuck hole and, and sprained its ankle. I'd, I'd appreciate it if you'd see fit to sell me a remount. Well, Charlie, Oliver said, I've got an altogether fine horse here. It's got good blood, it's got good wind, good legs, but you don't want it. Well, how's that, Oliver? Well, Charlie, like I tell you, it's an altogether fine animal, but, well, it's an egg-setting horse. It's a what? Oliver, well, it's an egg-setting horse, Charlie. Why, damn you, Oliver Levin, for 50 years of my life, I've had to listen to your rural ribaldries, your raucous rusticana, your fecal badinage. I am not about to spend another 50 years doing it neither, and I'll sell me that damn horse, egg-setting indeed. Sold him the horse. He loped off down the road in pursuit of, pursuit of folk hero biz. On the other side of the fence was a little nest full of prairie chicken eggs. Well, that horse flew into the air, sunfished once, cast Colonel Goodnight down onto the road, leapt over the fence, and squatted down on those eggs. Sat right on them. Colonel Goodnight was madder than a boiled owl. 
He got up painful, took his hat and slapped the dust out of his Levi's, clambered down the embankment, jerk reined that dumb brute back up onto the road, mounted it, saddle-wise, loped off down the road once again in pursuit of folk hero biz. Well, it was crossing the old river bridge, the old house river bridge, you know, before it changed its course. That horse looked over the railing of the bridge into the water, flew into the air one more time, cast Colonel Goodnight down onto the boards, fractured his collarbone, leapt off the bridge, and sat down in the water. Well, Colonel Goodnight was frankly astonished. He walked down the embankment to that river. He jerk-reined that ridiculous brute back up onto the road. He switched it around so it faced the other way, clumb up on it. That's too perfect passive subjunctive for the verb to climb. Clumb up on it, put the steel to it, rode hell-bent for leather back to Oliver Lovin's little cabin where he vaulted from the saddle, ripped the door from its frail leather hinges, drug Oliver Lovin out by the hair of his head, danced a little litany of doom and vituperation upon his rapidly aging body, picked him up by the hair of his head, said, Damn you, Oliver Lovin, I know you told me that was an egg-setting horse. I didn't believe you, but it did set right down on them eggs. But you know, when I was crossing the Tiles River, the old Tiles River Bridge, before it changed its course, that fool horse flew into the air, fractured my collarbone, leapt off the bridge, and sat down on the water. And I want to know why. Oh, Charlie Oliver said, I forgot to tell you. He sits on fish, too. Now, I know. I can see what you're doing there. You're reaching for that dial. You're reaching for that dial on your radio to switch it over to car talk or some jive like that. Now, you said, I've got a bad cold. I came all the way down here to do this. You'd better damn well sit still and listen, all right? That is the funniest story I ever heard in my life. What's the use? You think about it. Uh, some years ago, I'd been carry, I carry things around in my head, ideas, stories that I hear, phrases I hear. And sometimes they turn into songs in, a, in an odd moment. And Colonel Goodnight and Oliver Lovin were real people. The Goodnight Loving Trail was a real, real trail. I wrote a song about that. It's not a cowboy song. It's a song about getting old and having the work you're born to run out on you. The old blown cowboys who couldn't sit a horse properly anymore, they were set off on the Chuck gang, on the Chuck wagon. Charlie Goodnight, Charles Chuck, he was the one who invented that mobile kitchen that traveled with the herd. And it was a, a sorry come down for somebody who'd led a rough and vigorous life to have to handle the bedrolls and do the cooking and listen to all the complaints and doctor the chillblains and saddle sores with the old Indian herb cures. Yeah. It was a rude letdown. That's what this song is about. They used to call the camp cooks the old woman because they had the foolish notion that only women do cooking. The Good Night Loving Trail. Everything. If dirt was a kingdom, then you'd be the king. On the good night trail, on the loved in trail, 
Our old woman's lonesome tonight Your French harp blows like a lone ball and calf It's a wonder the wind don't tear off your skin Get in there and blow out the light With your snake oil and herbs and your liniment too You can do anything that a doctor can do Except find a cure for your own goddamn stew On the good night trail, on the loving trail Our old woman's lonesome tonight Your French heart blows like a lone ball and calf It's a wonder the wind don't tear off your skin Get in there and blow out the light The cook fire's out, the coffee's all gone The boys are up and we're raising the dawn You're still sitting there all lost in a song On the good night trail, on the loving trail Our old woman's lonesome tonight Your French heart blows like a lone ball and calf It's a wonder the wind don't tear off your skin Get in there and blow out the light Yeah, I know someday that I'll be just the same Wearing an apron instead of a name And no one can change it and no one's to blame The desert's a book road in lizards and sage It's easy to look like an old torn out page Faded and cracked with the colors of age On the good night trail, on the loving trail Our old woman's lonesome tonight Your French heart blows like a lone ball and calf It's a wonder the wind don't tear off your skin Get in there and blow out the light Loving Trail, uh, a new song of the of the old west. Although I've I've had that one rattling around in me for twenty five years or so. I love the old songs, uh, especially where I come from, especially in Utah, where tradition perpetuates itself still, especially in the in the rural areas out in the countryside. It's a great place to collect songs, to find old songs, you see, which is what Rosalie Sorrell's taught me how to do a long, long time ago when we both lived in Utah. Uh, Well, like, for instance, down there at Paraguna, Parawan, in in southwestern Utah, St. George, they called that Utah's Dixie because they grew cotton down there. And you could go down and find out where the Relief Society ladies were meeting. Now, the Relief Society ladies would knit and tat and make clothing for the church, LDS church welfare system. And you could kind of invite yourself to go over and sing for them uh, while they were doing that. Now, of course, the Mormons put up a couple of years of food in the basement, and everybody does that uh, against the millennium. 
And also in that part of the Utah, put up sage tea, bottles and bottles of sage tea. And, and the Relief Society ladies, ladies drink on that uh, while you're singing to them. But now you see some of that sage tea has turned. Just nobody will say it to each other. And they get tippling away, and finally the songs begin to come out. Um, here's one of the old ones, the old parlor songs, uh, collected and sung by Rosalie Sorrell called Christine Leroy. Oh, brother, I cannot get better. Tis useless to tell me so now. My poor heart is only awaiting for a resting place under the snow. I was lately thinking, dear brother. How happy our home was with joy When a serpent came into our Eden In the fair form of Christine Leroy I was thinking just now of the bridal One year ago only tonight When I blushed with the gaslight above me in my laces and jewels so bright when she came with the voice of an angel to bid me a lifetime of joy my heart sank so low at the manor in the dark eyes of Christine Weeks flew by, and oh, my poor Harry grew thoughtless and careworn each day. I knew twas the thought of some demon who so thoughtlessly lured him away. And when one evening I found them together, our thought was destroyed then of joy. Arm in arm, with her head on his shoulder, stood my husband and Christine Leroy. Oh, brother, be kind to your darling. My poor heart is weary and faint. Like the faraway winds o'er the ocean, Oh, the beautiful form of a saint Oh, brother, I loved him so dearly My poor heart will never know joy So go tell them they've murdered your sister But I forgive him and Christine Leroy Ah, 25 years ago, I showed up in New York City about $8 short of having 25 cents, and I, so flat you could have played me on a Vic Trolla, went there to find Rosalie. She was hooked up with a, a manager, music manager named Alfred Giaronowitz. Now, and then I got hooked up with him, too, through Rosalie. He was going to manage us. It took him about a solid year to figure out that neither Rosalie and I were manageable on any level he chose to <laughs> contemplate. 
We were assured that he was the most honest manager in the music business. It took me a year to figure out that was scrupulous, what was scrupulously honest in New York City was a jailable offense elsewhere. <laughs> Man, real criminal mind. He came to me one day. He said, you're going to do well, young fella. You sing country music. I said, Al, who the hell are you listening to? I not only don't sing country music, I don't like it. He said, that's un-American. You could be deported for doing that. I said, Al, I loved Lefty Frizzell and the early Hank Snow and Texas Jim Robertson, and I loved old-time country music. Uh, T. Texas Tyler, which is where the U. Utah Phillips came from, you know, I loved him. I said, but then when I got back from Korea, I saw that the country music had taken a change. The sexual, sexual politics were so convoluted. Um, one side of the record, it said, the song said, I'm rough, I'm tough, I strut my stuff, don't take no guff, I drive a truck. And on the <laughs> other side of the record, it was, that little woman destroyed my life, and I want to drink myself to death and shoot her and me or both of us. God, how can you put that together? That doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense, you know. I finally figured out why that music is so damn whiny. It's the, it's the, the tight boots, the tight boots they wear. <laughs> ah, we, oh God, ow. You know, if they would take off those cowboy boots and put on Birkenstocks, that music would lighten up right away. You can. <laughs> Aces, traits, and flushes, that's the game my daddy played. If the gambling went till morning, that's how late my daddy stayed. He bought shoes for all his kids with the money that he made. From those aces, traits, and flushes, the game my daddy played. Some people say my daddy was a good-for-nothing man. He came home every morning with the money in his hand. There was chicken on the table and the rent was all we paid From those aces, traits and flushes, the game my daddy played Aces, traits and flushes, that's the game my daddy played If the gambling went till morning, that's how late my daddy stayed He bought shoes for all us kids with the money that he made From those aces, traits and flushes, the game my daddy played my mama, she ran off with some fast-talking man. Daddy took to gambling just to feed our little clan. Sometimes it was blackjack and sometimes seven stud. But those aces, straights, and flushes, they ran in daddy's blood. Aces, straights, and flushes, that's the game my daddy played. If the gambling went till morning, that's how late my daddy stayed. He bought shoes for all us kids with the money that he made. From those aces, straights, and flushes, the game my daddy played. Then came the day my daddy played his biggest game for the love of a woman and the honor of her name. And when the smoke had cleared and the cards had all been played, my daddy gave up gambling and took up the trombone. Aces, straights, and flushes, that's the game my daddy played. If the gambling went till morning, that's how late my daddy stayed. He bought shoes for all us kids with the money that he made. From those aces, straights, and flushes, the game my daddy played.
Well, we're back again after listening to Blind Kenny Hall from down in Fresno, California. You know, Kenny ought to be out and about a whole lot more, playing uh, big halls, bringing its uh, lost music that he does so well to legions of uh, the uninformed. My my stepson Nicholas came down from uh, Humboldt uh, State University um, uh, just lately. It, it was the holidays here, of course, when you're listening out there. I have no idea when, when that is, but it's the holidays here. And he told me a little story. Now, this is a little story, but it's a, it's a pretty big idea. Nicholas said that uh, they had given the concession in the cafeteria to make the coffee drinks to Starbucks up in Seattle. Well, there are at least 10 uh, coffee roasters around Arcata, around Eureka, around that part of the country that are local businesses. So they got a, they got a taste contest going and a petition drive. And, you know, they got Starbucks out of there and got one of the local coffee roasters in there. Now, that's called direct action. It's what people can do when they finally, when they come together and, and uh, decide what they want and then go after it together. It may be that the big systems aren't working for you. I know they don't work for me. All that means is that we come together and build small systems where we live and work that, we, that, we, that do serve our needs, that do work for us, you see. Well, I was glad to hear that story, and I, I'm going to sing Nicholas a song here. Uh, I thought I had it on a record, but I don't. The old Lonesome Road Blues, Woody's song, I'm going down the road feeling bad. Now, I used to think that was a sad negative song, that was a song about going down the road uh, feeling whipped with your tail between your legs, you see. Then uh, Woody sang it and Pete Seeger sang it, I decided to listen to it more closely. Yeah. yeah, nothing changes if we don't go off down a whole lot of different roads. Um feeling so bad about something that eventually it hurts so bad that we've got to change it. The idea being, I ain't going to be treated this way. I'm going down the road feeling bad. I'm going down the road feeling bad. I'm going down the road feeling bad. Lord, Lord, I ain't going to be treated this way. I ain't got but one lousy dime I ain't got but one lousy dime I ain't got but one lousy dime Lord, Lord, I ain't gonna be treated this way Now you sing it I am going down the road feeling bad I'm going down the road feeling bad I'm going down the road Feeling bad, Lord, Lord, I ain't gonna be treated this way. All my kids and I need three square meals a day. Yeah, my kids and I need three square meals a day. Hey, my kids and I need three square meals a day. Lord, Lord, and I ain't gonna be treated this way. I'm going down the road feeling bad. I'm going down the road feeling bad I am going down the road feeling bad Lord, Lord, I ain't gonna be treated this way Well, thanks, Nick.
you know, ideas like this began to mature in my mind, and I've talked about it so many times uh, here at the old Joe Hill House in Salt Lake City, Utah, the Catholic Worker House, when they took me in off of the, off of the freight trains uh, many years ago. That was when I met Ammon Hennessy, the Catholic anarchist pacifist, and I do mean anarchist pacifist. Pacifist? Well, to Ammon, pacifism wasn't a tactic, but a practical necessity. A practical necessity. Say, he understood that, that the man who can escalate from a cop on the beat with a handgun up to a hydrogen bomb is always wanting you to come up that road. Come up that road as far as you want to. To see it, you know, you're, we own this game. Our, our strongest weapon is all these guns and all this violence, and that's your weakest weapon because we own this game. You come up that road, and you go up that road, and, and you get dead. We've seen that again and again. You know, but the man can't deal with peace can't understand peace, you see, which is your strongest weapon, immoral courage. That's what Ammon said. So he never looked at pacifism as just a tactic, well, you use it here and you don't there, but as a way of life, as a practical necessity. Anarchy, well, Ammon understood that we were all born into culturally compelled combinations, a husband-wife, student-teacher, parent-child, boss-employee, coercive combinations of which we are not the architects. We don't have any control over how those are put together. we just made to subscribe to them. He said all we ever wanted to do was to be able to get together in small systems and create our own combinations, combinations which, which we do architect and which do serve our, our real needs as we've discussed it, as we've worked it out. And I'm going to say, well, if you can trust me to do my share of the work of the world, to only take what I need and put back what I can, to care for the afflicted, and not hurt anybody, all the things you can't get from the boss and from the state. If you can trust me to do that and I can trust you, that between us we can begin to make those voluntary combinations and get the work of the world done without the boss and without the state. Sound like a pretty good idea? Well, that's your sermon for the day, folks. Uh, Ammon, after he got through speaking on Friday nights, would uh, ask us to sing to him, Murphy Dowie, the Cajun and me, and <coughs> Terry Sullivan. There was a hobo jungle up in the Weber Basin that was burnt out called Pig Hollow. It had been there since the turn of the century. This is about 65. Burnt out by vigilantes with the big weed burners. They began to show up in our place all covered with cinders and the whiskers singed. The bedrolls burnt up. We sat down and uh, made up this song for them, Pig Hollow. Slow rolling freight from the South Ogden Yard Easing along down the line The pig holla jungle camp swings into view You roll off and here's what you find The ruins and ashes lie scattered around The jungle is empty and bare The shanties and tents are all burned to the ground Not a fire or a friend anywhere a rich man, he lives in a house made of stone High on a hill looking down A poor man, he lives in a tar paper shack Way out on the backside of town But a rich man don't worry about his fine house It's protected like you never saw While a poor man gets railroaded out by the cops His house gets burned down by the law a poor man is fighting for all that he has He stands with his back to the wall A rich man, he spends nearly half of his life 
just chasing a little white ball. But a rich man, he says the pig holla must go. It's a place where the crooks rendezvous. But don't you suppose if you burn down the bank, you might flush a scoundrel or two. And don't you suppose if a bum with a torch set fire to some big fancy hall, the cops would come down like a bloodthirsty hound and just flat nail his hide to the wall. It seems like the laws are all made for the rich. They've got you boys win, lose, or draw. Well, try as you may to keep out of their way. You just get burned out by the law. And truer words were never sung, no, sir. Ham is one of the people that I miss in the world. He passed away in 1970, although he continues every day in some way to transform my life and the lives of anybody who knew him. He's one of... Uh, one of my heroes, of course, and that's only that's because he passed away. You know, Ammon's the one who said to me, if you've got to have heroes, make sure they're dead so they can't blow it. And that's just good advice, isn't it? Well, I want to be serious here for a moment. I want to sing you a song for a young hero, a person considerably younger than I am. We have this terrible struggle going on, an heroic struggle going on in Northern California to preserve the old-growth redwoods. Now, what we're talking about is just 5% of what was here during the last century. Now, why there should be any fight over that absolutely eludes me, but there are brave people up there that are gathering together in defense of the old-growth redwoods, the giant trees. One of those was David Chain, known in the forest as Gypsy. Well, without watching a logging operation... Um, monitoring it, and a tree was felled, and it fell on him, and it killed him. Uh, I sang him a song, Hero. That was the old Turner family that moved into Logan, Utah. They'd come from the Carolinas years and years to the turn of the century. They came west with a head full of songs and a mouth full of words. Rosalie collected this song from them. They hadn't sung it for years and years. I'll sing it for you now, for David Chain. Gypsy. The sweet briar and the orum brush With blossoms purple, gold, and red Are flames that bloom within the bush and sacred seems the ground I tread The golden bees, the golden bees Mock men and sweetest melody The golden bees, the golden bees Mock man and sweetest melody In shadow of the wood I lie Unwaked by dreams of noisy mart Where dust and soot soil not the sky nor hammers beat on 
Nor shuttles fleet, nor shuttles fleet. We've life into a winding sheet. Nor shuttles fleet, nor shuttles fleet. We've life into a winding sheet. When the pale axeman strikes his stroke and takes the warm life from my breast, plant by my grave a sapling oak and violets of azure crest. The oaken staff, the oaken staff, my shaft, the flowers, my epitaph. The oaken staff, the oaken staff, my shaft, the flowers, my epitaph. Ah, the Sweet Briar, a grand old song. I wish I could sing it half as well as it deserves to be sung, but uh, it's a well-meant song. That's a global struggle, isn't it, all over the world, people trying to save the forest, trying to save the last of the timber, trying to save that with, which breathes for the planet, breathes for all of us. I work with an organization that sends materials, money, supplies, all kinds of things down to the uh, indigenous people of the Amazon rainforest. And they can use it to um, harvest and package and distribute globally uh, ranchers and and farmers and and loggers. You'll see in your 7-Eleven soon little little cellophane packages on a card. It's called Rainforest Jerky. Uh, You look for it. Well... Another song that you're going to sing along with me, you understand. It's my favorite song, first learned off of Frying Pan Jack, a great tramp up there in Albany, Oregon. SPS Band, Spokane, Portland, Seattle, the Triangle Route. Jack's another one of those. Oh, why don't you work like other folks do? How can I get a job when you're holding down too? Hallelujah, I'm a bum. Hallelujah, bum again. Hallelujah, give us a handout to revive us again. Now, this is your new national anthem, folks. I do not wait for committees to arrive at these conclusions. I do these things unilaterally and then give folks a chance to catch up. Hallelujah, I'm a bum. Hallelujah, bum again. Hallelujah, give us a handout to revive us again. You sing it. Hallelujah, I'm a bum. Hallelujah, bum again. Hallelujah, give us a handout to revive us again. Oh, I went to a house and I knocked on the door. Lady said, Scrambum, you've been here before. Hallelujah, I'm a bum. Hallelujah, bum again. Hallelujah, give us a handout to revive us again. Yeah, I went to that house. I asked for some bread. Her lady said, Scrambum, the baker's dead. Hallelujah, I'm a bum. Hallelujah, bum again. Hallelujah, give us a handout to revive us again. 
old Idaho Blackie. Been on my mind lately. Old wobbly radical union organizer from up in Post Falls, Idaho. I've been trying to write a book about him for many years. I went and interviewed Blackie's old cronies, all of his old friends, found his doctor, young family practice physician, Dr. Shaw. He said, well, you know, Blackie's in his 90s, but he said, boy, he's perfectly fit. It's just that he said something I don't think any old wobbly would ever say. And I said, what's that? He said, he told me the only problem he has is that at night he's got to get up and go to the bathroom. But he says that the Lord turns on the light for him and turns it off when he's done. I allowed that. It was a plenty odd thing for any old red to say. And Dr. Shaw found Josie Bates, Blackie's wife, and older than him by a good bit, and said, you know, Josie, Blackie has the body of a 40-year-old, but I fear for his mind. He tells me that, that when he gets up at night to go to the bathroom, the Lord turns on the light for him and turns it off again. Josie said, that old fool pissing in the refrigerator again. Oh, I like my boss. He's a good friend of mine. That's why I'm starving out on the bread line. Hallelujah, I'm a bum. Hallelujah, bum again. Hallelujah, give us a handout to revive us again. Oh, whenever I get all the money I earn, hey, the boss will be broken to work he must turn. Hallelujah, I'm a bum. Hallelujah, bomb again. Hallelujah, give us a handout to revive us again. I'm going to sing that chorus slowly because I want you to gather around your radio and I want you to sing it. You know, we're out of the custom of singing, aren't we? We'll maybe get together and sing Christmas carols at one time of the year, but we're casting the roles of consumers of music, huh? There are a handful of people who purvey it and the rest of us consume it. Well, I mean to say that in a mass marketing environment, a revolutionary song is any song you choose to sing yourself. Welcome to the revolution. Hallelujah, I'm a bomb. Hallelujah, bomb again. Hallelujah, give us a handout to revive us again. Oh, I went to a bar and I asked for a drink. He gave me a glass and he showed me the sink. Hallelujah, I'm a bum. Hallelujah, bum again. Hallelujah, give us a handout to revive us again. Yeah, and I like Jim Hill, sure good friend of mine. Hey, that's why I'm booming down Jim Hill's main line. Hallelujah, I'm a bum. Hallelujah, bum again. Hallelujah, give us a handout to revive us again. Time to call in. Blind Kenny Hall, no, time to call in the Borsdorfs again with Loafer's Glory. I'm going to leave you now with these words of wisdom from my mother. A bird in the hand ain't worth nothing if you're trying to blow your nose. has been you, Utah Phillips, the golden voice of the great Southwest. I've loved spending this time with you, and I hope to be with you again soon. This is Loafer's Glory, the hobo jungle of the mind. From Walt Whitman, 
Were you thinking that those were the words, those upright lines, those curves, angles, dots? No, those are not the words. The substantial words are in the ground and the sea. They are in the air. They are in you.